0: Hi, this is David Derritte, and this is the next episode of No Disclaimers. This one's titled The Maginot Line, Blitzkrieg, and Fighting the Last War, and The Wisdom of Leon Levy in a Post-QE World. Lots of times we like to tell you kind of the inspiration of a, to- of a topic or a podcast, and in this case, it was a book I was reading called Certain to Win from Chet Richards, and I was on a trip to go see our son play football at Bowdoin. He focuses on the the writings and tactics of John Boyd, often called the Mad Major. And he's a military strategist that really changed how the uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and so forth approach things post-Vietnam. If you've ever heard the term OODA loop, that came from him. And maybe we'll have a, a podcast or newsletter on that soon. But what his strategies focus on basically are adaptability and the speed of decision-making. So in the book, the focus or the start is on World War I. And everyone can remember, at least you know, we know from history books and so forth, that, that World War I was deemed the war to end all wars. It was tragic. It was a horrible human suffering, trench warfare, gassing, war of attrition. Again, just terrible. And the Europeans said, never again, never on our soil. So out of that came the Treaty of Versailles and the Treaty of Versailles, some could argue, you know, the way it was executed led to the rise of Hitler. But beyond that, the French and the other allies also said, well, never again, but let's try and put something up to make it stop from happening. In other words, keep the Germans from invading. So the French built what's called the Maginot Line. And the Maginot Line was a a concrete and reinforced wall with munitions and and artillery and so forth built in, fixed and facing towards Germany. And it went from the south through the mountains, most of the mountain areas they left gaps because no one could take tanks or troops over that, all the way to 200 miles south of the English Channel, right at the borders with Belgium and the Netherlands. The reason they didn't complete it there was because Belgium kind of Balked a little bit and said that if they were behind, we're on the other side of the wall. The Germans could invade, and the French would go. Eh, we can't help you really. So they left that area, that 200 miles open on purpose. And then, because of that, though, the Allies developed a strategy for: Hey, what would happen if the Germans did invade, and what would we do? So they they were prepared, at least in theory, for what they thought would come. So back then. It was assumed that an invading army required a three-to-one personnel advantage in order to have a successful attack. The Allies had a plan prepared, and the Germans basically had about the same amount of troops and material. And some could argue that their material, the tanks in in particular, were substandard compared to the Allies. So, for the most part, the Allies probably felt pretty good, and the major question becomes, well, how did the Germans actually end up winning? And the short answer is blitzkrieg, right? Blitzkrieg was a change in tactics and strategy. And basically, the Germans moved too quickly for the Allies' decision-making chain of command. And when we look at that, again... With all of these things going for them, how could the French and British lose? And the the more descriptive answer is, in fact, that the game changed. They were fighting the last war. The principles of blitzkrieg were to attack the enemy's ability to make effective decisions under conditions of danger, fear, and uncertainty, while functioning well under the same conditions. The Allies were routed because their timing was far too slow to catch up with the changing situation on the ground. The Germans changed the conventional war strategy and tactics, and the Allies were too slow to recognize it before chaos erupted and they ended up with their backs to the sea at Dunkirk. So we like to say that we have our eyes on the horizon and we try to look out into the future to see what might happen and what tactics may change, like in war, right, what's changing, what's new, but also in the investment landscape more appropriately. Leon Levy and the wisdom of the ages. Leon Levy was a legendary value investor. He was one of the founding partners of Oppenheimer Funds. I ran across this note. I think it's a forward to one of his books. And it just seemed appropriate today. It Actually, could have even been written today, it seems like. So those most adept at profiting from a particular market are often least likely to notice when the game is over and probably the least psychologically prepared to profit from the successor market. Why should they change something that has worked so well for them? Most of the heroes of the go-go years in the 1960s turned out to be goats in the 1970s. But the market has even crueler twists. It's not sufficient that a player figure out when the game is changed. When a market shifts, it usually requires the investor to adopt a psychological stance anathema to the precepts upon which he built his earlier success. It will not be easy for the apostles of the so-called new economy to nimbly adjust should the market decide that quaint old economy obsessions such as earnings and dividends are important after all. Man, could that have been written, what, what, late 90s and even today, right? For most people, the most dangerous self-delusion is that even a falling market will not affect their stocks, which they bought out of a canny understanding of value. Piling delusion upon delusion, most people also believe that no matter what happens, they will be able to get out at or near the top of the market. Why should the markets be any more perfect than the very human emotions and calculations that drive it? Investors overreact, and so do markets. Investors get swept up in moods, and so do markets. And this interplay creates investment opportunities. So again, read that. That's kind of fascinating stuff. You know our team. We have talked about as we look over the horizon, we see that the next decade or so will not look like the last decade or so, that we may resemble more the 1970s or even the 2000s, where there was a regime shift or a shift in the things that worked in the stock market and markets in the economy in general. So we need to prepare for that future because that future is likely to be quite a bit different. It's a future where the era of easy money and quantitative easing are most likely over. And that is very different than what most people have been accustomed to. Our belief is that if we prepare, kind of like the French and European allies of the 1930s for the last war, right? We will suffer greatly when the new blitzkrieg comes. And the new blitzkrieg, there'll always be a change in tactic. There'll always be a change in regime or the way that markets function and liquidity functions and so forth. History shows this all the time. So we have to be prepared for that change. So this about wraps up this latest edition. Thanks for listening. Be on the lookout for some longer form notes, one with Kim Penzone and Kathy Quinn. And if you do like what we're doing, please share it, like it. And we hope that this has been useful. And we will talk to you again on the next episode of No Disclaimers.